Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast recording episode 200. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who growing up loved Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah, I did. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother, who loved Golden Grams. Ooh, I did. I loved a lot of cereal, but that's me, Trey Newman. Yeah, I know. It was uh, tough to pick phases. one for you. Any others My- Any others in the top that I missed? Fruit Loops. I went through quite yeah, a long Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops phase. I was a Lucky Charms. You lucky were a Lucky kid. Charms, yeah. But I yeah. cycled through a lot of them as well. Yeah. But uh, this podcast is about college football, so I guess we can uh, get into that. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CFB Bros. Subscribe on YouTube and in your podcast app. And of course, as always, check out our sponsor. That's right. Our sponsor is MyBookie. That's at MyBookie.ag. So right now, we're approaching Thanksgiving. You got the end of the college football season. We all know that the... uh, NFL is is bigger on on Turkey Day. You can get some skin in the game uh, and and have some action uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday. My bookie they offer odds boosts, lightning deals, free bets. It's been it's been really a pleasure for for the bros using my bookie so far. So whether you're a first time customer or been playing with my bookie for years, there's a lot of value and a lot of props that you can play. A lot of different uh, fun contests that they offer each week as well. So you could sign up or get reloaded. Um, they, if you make, if you use the promo code CFBROS, that's capital CFBROS, they'll match your deposit halfway. So if you deposit two hundred bucks, they'll give you an extra hundred to play with. So that's a nice little incentive to uh, to deposit now. Um, and they they also have even if you're not into sports, they have a full fledged casino. Uh, all the different classic table table games if you're interested in playing some of those blackjack poker etc so it's winning season at my bookie enjoy it over the holidays join in on the fun like we are all right they must not get a lot of uh signups when it's losing season that's probably oh that's right mm. i forgot about that i wonder when that is we'll see Break we'll have to season. really really sell hard during losing season <laughs> uh all right let's get to our week 11 takeaways each of us has three, as usual. So, Ryan, you go first. Yeah, uh, I'll start with my boy, Kyle Trask. Uh, Man. If, this, if the season were to end today, he'd be my Heisman pick. Uh, he has simply been incredible so far. Uh, and this this past week, without Kyle Pitts for the the game, he was, you know, Kyle Pitts is the best tight end in college football, pretty much, if you, you I mean, who would really debate that at this point? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, Kyle Trask was still amazing. He still was incredible um so in six games he's thrown 28 touchdowns so you know almost five per game that's four touchdowns ahead of joe burrow's average touchdowns per game so like he is he's a well above ahead of the pace that joe burrow set and joe burrow was you know had maybe one of the best years of all time last year so uh he has completed over 70 percent of his passes over 10 yards per attempt he's dominated georgia one of the best defenses in the country I mean, it's just, he's been incredible. No matter who's in the game, no matter who they're playing, Trask has been unreal. Yeah, and I, I saw on Twitter uh, a tweet that went around from Bill Connolly comparing Trask's numbers through, what'd you say, six games compared to Joe Burrow through six games, and they were almost identical. 
Yeah, pretty crazy. crazy. It is yep. pretty wild. He's not uh, getting the credit he really deserves nationally yet. Yeah. Well, he's going to have some opportunities though coming up. So like, <laughs> he already I did it to Georgia. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, totally I think agree. that Georgia game got him a lot of attention because right yeah. now, because right now in some sports Fair. books he's like plus two fifty. Like he's right there. It's the yeah. one of the Heisman leaders. But mm-hmm. anyways, uh, mine is actually going to f- focus on Michael's squad, USC. They they squeaked out another against Arizona this weekend. <laughs> 2-0, oh, baby. They, they, 2-0. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, so they narrowly beat Arizona. Keaton Slovis led a, a clutch final drive in the, in the last minute. But in my opinion, the worst case scenario for USC fans is playing out right now. These yeah. close, ugly wins. You either want it to be convincing wins or losses with Clay Helton at this point. Like most SC fans like, they like Helton, but they understand he's probably not the guy that can kind of get them to that, that next level. And winning games is only going to, you know, increase the chances of, of saving his job. Now, but of course, all wins aren't created equal. And these close wins in, in some cases might as well be losses when you're squeaking out games as double digit favorites. Uh, SC is still very good, but I think SC fans are in this interesting predicament right now with, with their team and Helton. It's a weird time. No, you're, you're a hundred percent right. I had that exact thought that it's, it's the worst. I mean, of course, as I'm watching the game, I'm cheering for USC to win, yeah. but if I do take a step back or if I was a fan, just a neutral observer, you're right. I think it, this could be the worst thing because it's, it's making it likely that Clay Helton will keep his job. And it's just, I think he's just kind of putting us in a little bit of a hole the further we're you know, into the Helton tenure we get. At least you're recruiting very well this year. This year, so yes, which is that, good. Um, that makes a big difference. We've that seen was the offensive the line recruiting concern. the last offensive line recruiting the last few years has been bad, and that is playing out right now. I think O line is a big issue, but uh, not sure what the problem with the defense is. But yeah, whatever. There's talent. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, my first takeaway is. Uh, with the the favorite in the Pac-12, Oregon, I think their offense could be better than their defense. It might be. Um, and before the season, that would have been a ridiculous thing to say because losing Justin Herbert, losing all five starters up front, no one thought it would really be that good. Um, and I know they've only played Stanford and Wazoo so far, but it's been excellent. They've rushed for over 250 yards in each of those games at 7.1 yards per carry. Tyler Shuck has been really good, 9.6 yards per attempt. So Joe Moorhead has come in, and you've seen the difference between him and um, uh, I'm struggling to come up with their OC. Oh, Arroyo. Arroyo. Oh, yeah, Marcus Arroyo, exactly. Um, and then their defense on the on the other side which was expected to be one of the best in the country, at least before the opt-outs. And even after the opt-outs, you still thought they had enough talent to be great. Hasn't, hasn't been so great so far. Um, they're 117th in the nation in yards per play allowed. Jaden Delora, this past weekend, true freshman quarterback for Wazoo, uh, had a very good game. So that, that is concerning. But if they can, there's so much talent on that side of the ball that I, I think it'll start playing better. So compare that with a good offense. They've got a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were they were they were looking a little in doubt there at at the uh, at the end. They had that one long play what, right before half. Oh, that really kind of turned the tide of that game. Otherwise, Wazoo mm-hmm. might have hung on. Yeah, Wazoo. Uh, I mean, they've been they've been impressive. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, my next one. Uh, I'm gonna go to the U Miami. Nobody's really talking about them right now. Um, they're seven and one. Uh, they were down eleven this past week in the second half. Uh, at Virginia Tech, but uh, D.R. King 
did what Derek King does and rallied them and led them to a one point victory. Um, so yeah, I mean, their only loss is at Clemson. I know they got absolutely manhandled, but one loss at Clemson, not a, not a bad resume so far. Um, and they actually have a couple of weeks off here until they play at wake. Um, but they have also have North Carolina and Georgia tech remaining those three games. So, I mean, there's definitely a, a chance for them to win all three of those, um, and finish the season 10 and one, you know, and guarantee themselves a new Year's six bowl. And, you know, I mean, they need massive chaos to make the playoff considering how badly they lost at Clemson. But I mean, they, nobody's talking about them and they have only lost one game. That's true. They, and they're, they're, when you look at, they're pretty good. Their strength of record in particular is very good. Like they haven't looked super impressive the last few weeks in kind of close wins against, yeah. in some cases, not so great teams. So you look at their um, power rating or, you know, SP plus rating is not very high, but you're right. The record itself is great against that schedule there. I mean, they've done well. What's what's unfortunate, which you were kind of alluding to by not really talking about the ACC championship is they need, even though they might only have one loss. I mean, that's they still got to go. They go need, do that. But yeah, they uh, they need Notre Dame to lose twice or, or Clemson to lose. And they need to beat UNC. Of course. And, that's, and then yeah. went out. Yeah. So a lot yeah. has to happen. It's possible, but it's possible. Yeah. Unlikely. Um. I'm going to go back to the Pac-12, a lot of Pac-12 so far. Uh, is Colorado decent or is Stanford really bad? I kind of lay it out. So Colorado, they, this past weekend, just won at Stanford. And, you know, a lot of people... And they beat UCLA. Yep, yep. Yeah. A lot and of UCLA people... UCLA went and killed Cal. Yeah. That's right. But a lot of people, they kind of scoffed at the hiring of Carl Durrell for Colorado, and I, myself included... Um, but Buffs fans, they kind of have, they'd have to be encouraged with the, the 2 0 start. Um, uh, I know they've only beaten what we talked about UCLA and Stanford, but they won both games as an underdog. Uh, the offense is playing pretty well with the converted safety, Sam Neuer at quarterback. Uh, Jerry Rice's son even caught a touchdown this, for them this past weekend. So they're better than we thought, but I think this is actually more telling about Stanford. What has really happened to them? They're, they're 0 2 now. They find themselves, you know, the, the the thing with Stanford is they've always prided themselves on good offensive line, great running game. That slipped the past couple years, and in this this week's game against Colorado, their leading Colorado does not have a good defense by any means. Their their leading rusher was Davis Mills, the quarterback, and he only had thirty six yards. It almost just seems like the David Shaw era has has run its course. Uh, maybe I'm overreacting, but doesn't doesn't seem good. No, uh, it's, you're it's not trending that way. Yeah, the Jim Harbaugh juice ran out like it went down like a little bit each year it seemed like it's like five yeah. percent eh, every year and now it's just got nothing left okay uh my next takeaway is going to the g5 tulsa is quietly one of the two favorites to make the aac title of course cincinnati is the favorite at five and oh uh, but tulsa after coming back from down 21-0 this past weekend against smu to win 28-24 is now four and oh in conference uh, everyone else in the conference has at least two losses, and Tulsa has the tiebreaker over UCF. Well, in their in their in their division, there are there are no divisions. No, in the whole conference. Oh, well, yeah, no no divisions sorry. this year. Um, yeah, that's pretty. So they've got a two game lead on 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 everybody else on the um, third place team. On the th- yeah, the third place teams. There's a bunch of teams tied with two losses. So one of them could certainly, you know, Tulsa is is more than capable of losing a couple games on schedule, especially since they still have Cincinnati left, but. But like I said, they're probably the favorite um, 
outside of of uh Cincinnati to make it to the ACC champ AAC championship. Um so even though I don't think they're that great of a team necessarily, like the advanced metrics don't have them that high, it's it's more of a fact that they they've won some close games and the teams at the top of the AAC, uh UCF, SMU, and Memphis have all disappointed for one reason or another. Houston kind of But yeah. they're like the AAC is pretty deep. I just think it was it ended up yeah. being a case where they a lot of these teams kind of beat each other. Um, I know yeah. they're not quite maybe a couple of those teams you mentioned aren't quite as good as they've wanted, but it's a pretty deep league this year when you add Tulsa into the mix. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. All right. Moving on to my last one here. Uh what has happened to Michigan uh and Jim Harbaugh? Uh just got destroyed by Wisconsin 49 to 11. So that's two weeks in a row now where they, they really just didn't put up much of a fight. Last week, Indiana controlled that game pretty, pretty much pretty handily. Um, of course, the week before that, they lost to Michigan State. So three losses in a row, two of them blowout fashion, one to your rival who's really not very good at all. It's just crazy how huge of a turnaround it, it's been since that week one win at Minnesota when we we're like, oh, now yeah. they're actually pretty good. Oh, <laughs> you know, man. Joe, Joe Milton's actually solid there. They got some pop to their offense no they stink um you know it's it's rough uh they, they have rutgers penn state and maryland their next three games uh you know obviously rutgers is still rutgers they're better but they're still rutgers penn state is winless maryland won a couple games so they could do it but still maryland uh so they got those three games before they go to ohio state uh so they'll finish with a losing record if they don't win all three of those games leading up to the Buckeyes because they ain't beating the Buckeyes. So uh, Jim Harbaugh, I mean, I, I, he's not going to get fired this year. You know, not, some people are talking about that. I mean, some people are talking. Possible. I would be surprised. Yeah. Um, it This is really the first year where it's like wheels have kind of come off, but I think you got to give him maybe a little bit of a hiccup. It's been a weird year. I think yeah. a lot of schools might forgive their coaches more so than usual. Um, so I'd expect him to be back next year, but next year, the pressure is obviously on huge to have a good year. So it's just nuts. It's he's, crazy how, how far they've come down. Yeah, and he's now 0-11 yeah. at Michigan. And the defense. What's up with the defense? I mean, John Brown's always supposed to be good. It's crazy. He's now 0-11 as an underdog at Michigan, just not winning any of those games. And yeah. That's usually against your rivals, and that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And then it was their worst loss since 1935, I think, this past weekend. It's just yikes nuts yeah i mean they this you're right right this is the first year that it's really kind of fallen off like this because the problem with harbaugh his whole tenure has been well in my opinion there hasn't been a huge problem it's just been he's yeah he's won 10 games or whatever and yeah can't beat ohio state and you know um you know is is just a top 15 team not a top five team which is not the the biggest you know it's not not so bad you know but this year it is it is bad (laughs) it's bad yeah all right. Crazy. My last uh, takeaway, and this has been kind of just, I guess, stewing over the last couple of years. And it's it's not a team or um, a specific game, but it's yardage markers and the sticks and oh. the chains. So it came into play a couple times this weekend. They're probably probably more than what I saw. But last week, the beginning of the week, Toledo and Western Michigan were playing. Toledo had like a fourth and eleven uh, in the couple last couple minutes. They 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 kind of they the refs gave them the spot when I think he pretty much clearly didn't get the ball there, but it was one of those that was a little hard to overturn. But 
the the player ran into the the chains and kind of bent the chains and yet they still kind of used that chain and they marked it and he he somehow got it but okay fine whatever but then Oregon State to cap yeah, off the weekend Oregon State was playing at UW early fourth quarter they have a fourth and inches at the well actually even on third down there was a third down play it looked like they got it Jefferson it looked like the running back got it but then fine they don't get it they don't get a great spot fourth and inches like everyone and their mother watching the game knows that he got the first down and the refs like take the ball. They, and this is the problem with me is when they come in, there's a big pile. They wait for 10 seconds and then it's like left foot, right foot. They just kind of randomly put it down. <laughs> it was a terrible spot yet somehow even replay couldn't overturn it, which still kind of blows my mind. So I, my thing is, is you've got, this is really impacting games. Like so many times at the goal line, you do, you see the refs run in and it's just like, they don't have any idea. They, they let the clock run for 10 <laughs> I hate seconds. The one, I hate the sneaks or whatever right at the goal line where they just, they run in and looking for f- eight seconds, 10 yeah. seconds, and then yeah. finally put it up. Like, he, you don't think he moved his arm? Like, give me a break. <laughs> now, I like, like, like during the course of the game. can't decide 10 seconds later. During the course of the game, you know, they do a good job where they'll just kind of like, if it's in the middle of the field, if it's right around it, they just, they end up kind of just giving them the, the first down, whatever. I don't really have a huge problem with that. I mean, it's a little weird, but we're in 2020. The technology is, this is impacting games here. Like that Oregon State game that they ended up losing by a field goal or whatever. Like that yeah, would they, have been huge to, to punch yeah, it in probably there. Could have won the game, but like, you know, in these crucial moments, you want to get like Ohio State, Michigan a few years that JT Barrett start, spot. Like it would be nice if yeah. there was. Like baseball has the technology to do the strike zone. Like there's no reason the football can't do something. It's just, it's, it's impacting games. It's crazy. Yeah. I agree. You would think technology would be there to the point where we can, I don't know, get better angles I mean, and know yeah. exactly where the ball the is refs, on the field. You know, like that's got to be hard to yeah, just be oh, yeah. hard. They're human oh beings. Gosh. They're doing their best. Like I, I think overall yeah, exactly. they do a good job, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, they, they do a better job than. I but those pile-up I mean, plays. Those spots and... are usually pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But, yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, final takeaway is uh, is actually a trivia question for you guys. So, only – well, should I play the should I play Bruce? Ah. With Bruce trivia? Why uh, not? Zone. Why not? Um, I'm going to ask you a trivia question here. Trivia. Doesn't matter what it is, you have answers. Zone. When you ask me those kind of questions, it really pisses me off. Trivia zone. All right. So only one player in college football this year has had two games in which his pass efficiency rating was over 250. And that player has done it each of the last two weeks. Who is it? This is a, I mean, that's a tough question. There's a lot of players, but. Um, I wow. Can, I have a few, a couple guesses in mind. But sure. Throw them out. The Felipe Franks. No. Kyle Trask. No. Okay, crap. It is from the SEC, though. Oh, is it Matt Corral? Matt Corral. Yep. Oh, nice, Trey. So he had, of course, that that six-interception game a few weeks ago. That's right. Uh, But he has bounced back, and in particular, the last two weeks against Vanderbilt and South Carolina, he has 10 touchdown passes, seven incompletions, incompletions, which is crazy. So, yeah, Ole Miss, I mean, I think they're three and four now, so record wise honestly reasonable maybe not what you'd really hope for but they were competitive against florida competitive against bama it's yeah. been a i would still be hopeful if i was a an old miss fan for sure yeah you know kiffin's no got that offense no in the right the right spot so 
just get a couple defensive guys the next couple years. Exactly. All right. Well, let's I do want to give. On. I do want to give uh, one last. Uh, no, it's just like a little last shout out. Not really a takeaway, but Marshall. They won on the fiftieth anniversary of the their tragic plane crash where the the team perished pretty much and uh, seventy five people were lost. But they Marshall's really freaking good, and yeah. they won it on the the fiftieth anniversary of that that tragedy. Yeah, that's true. Great, great moment. I'm sure on on Saturday. Um, okay, so our segment here is uh, just a bit of news. Will Muschamp, of course, has been fired at South Carolina. What were your guys' thoughts? Um, do you think the the firing was justified? I do. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Muschamp has just been, uh, you know, it's he's been trending in the wrong direction the last couple of years. Um, he's twenty eight and thirty in his time there after getting off to a decent start. Uh, it's really falling apart here. The last two years, he's six and thirteen, so losing twice as many as he win. It's not good. Um, and the main concern, I guess, for for probably a lot of the uh, South Carolina fans now is just they they aren't recruiting. They're just they're forty sixth in the recruiting this year. They're just not getting anybody to come play for them. So when where in years past they had hovered around top twenty, top twenty five. Yeah, you know, they had solid solid classes under West Champ, but this year it just seems boom, that's just gone. All of them are not even considering it with all the struggles that they've had. So I think they're making the right call, plugging it or pulling the plug kind of earlier on this one than they maybe could have waited till next year. And it, I don't think much would have changed. And so I think this was the right call, um, even though it's, you know, it's tough on Muschamp, but I think they're making the right move. Yeah. And I think the reason they pulled it now is just because the last few weeks, it looks like the team, the players yeah. maybe almost like gave up or something. I mean, they were just getting gashed left and right. And Muschamp's calling card is his defense. And they were supposed to be pretty decent this year. And that's just turned into a disaster. Um, so, and then now a couple more players opted out to just focus on the draft. Like it yeah, was a corner. Oof. It was just, it was, just wasn't talking crap. Wasn't good. Not I mean, good. they were, they were dealt an insanely tough schedule the last couple of years, but they oh, never broke through. Yeah. They just never, they never had a kind of that marquee win. They haven't, I don't even think they've actually ever finished in the top 25 in his tenure. Um, but they won like nine games, I think, his second year. They must have been pretty they were, close. They, they were didn't. close, but I don't think they ended up finishing in the top 25. Oh, they might have yeah. been in it at some point, but um, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. Either way, I mean, it just, they should be a top 25 team. I think it's a great job. Um, they're just, but at this time, there's just not much hope. So it I, isn't, it isn't. Yeah, it's I would true. say so. I, relative to to what he inherited I, I thought the first few years went okay like you say when you adjust for the schedule but yeah the last couple of years fell off but yeah let's talk about what kind of a job it is because well why don't you say what your thoughts ryan well if you just look back at the last the previous like four coaches really only steve spurrier was the winning coach mm-hmm. i mean i just saw a stat before this we started this pod i kind of forget the names sorry i'm not a great on south carolina previous head coaches before spurrier and lou holtz but there was a, he was the only, Spurrier was the only one that had like a winning record out of like the previous four or five. Um, and Spur, Spurrier's tenure just was like, I looked at that, that stat and it was like, wow, Spurrier was significantly better than I even thought. Like, yeah. I know he led them to pretty good years, but it was like, wow, that was way better than they've ever, they've had. So it's, uh, you, they have support. They, they're in a good spot, you know, South Carolina, a lot of talent in the Southeast there. I just, for whatever reason, they just are notoriously kind of below. Yeah, they they historically haven't been good, but I do think Clemson being so good doesn't help, of course. Right, right. I I think it's a a good job. Like 
we said Muschamp was recruiting top 20 classes. That yeah. For the most part around the country, whether it's a good job or a bad job, is determined by what can you recruit, right? Because if you can get good players, then you can be good yeah, if you exactly. got the right right coach. And they can get top 20 players. Now, that, that makes it a good job along with the facilities and the fan support. The problem is there's a ton of great jobs in the SEC. You know, you got Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, A&M, on down the list. So South Carolina might be, I don't, don't hold me to this number. I haven't looked at all the teams, but maybe the seventh or eighth best job in their own conference, which makes things tough. Yep, yeah. exactly. But there's no That's reason there's no reason they classes. can't break through again, though, like Spurrier. Yeah. Like, they could be... Totally. They should. I really think they should be a top twenty-five team. Like, yeah. I mean, they're recruiting top twenty-five classes, so I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm with you. I, I like it when they're good. It was fun when Spurs I, had them I, going. I agree. Love the Gamecocks for sure. Fun. I mean, a good fan base like that deserves to be good. You know, it's very. Yeah, fr- I mean, exactly. we as Husker fans can understand how frustrating it is yeah. to have a devoted yeah. fan base and not a good team. Yep. You know it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to the candidates then, Ryan. You've got a top five list yeah. for us i sure do mike okay go there. on oh there we go all right i'll start with my first honorable mention since there i got six guys here on my list that's not a top five list <laughs> well, it's honorable mention <laughs> Just, okay <laughs> cheated a little bit number six <laughs> honorable mention <laughs> joe brady uh former offensive coordinator well, office co-offensive coordinator at LSU. Now he's offensive coordinator at Carolina Panthers. Doing pretty well with Carolina there. Teddy Bridgewater's had some good moments on the kind of surprise some folks. But, of course, he's credited with LSU's massive turnaround. and So that's he's kind of still a hot name, of course. So that would be a kind of a, a maybe a sexy hire there for uh, South Carolina if they could get him. Um, number five. Here we go. Here's the top five. Uh, Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina. Uh, they are undefeated. They look awesome. You know, I mean, and he's right there, right in their back door. So kind of makes sense to, for them to at least take a look. I know he hasn't, he didn't do super well the f- previous couple of years, but building a program. So it's something to, something to consider. Number four, Michael's former boy, Steve Sarkeesian, mm. Alabama offensive coordinator right now. Uh, he's obviously led some amazing offenses the past couple years he took over last year as the oc um and he's had time to learn from the best he spent three years now uh with nick saban um and i you know if you go back to his previous coaching jobs at washington i think he what he did at uw was kind of maybe a little bit underrated since they were 0 and 12 when he got there like you know they went five and seven his first year and then he went to four straight bowl games after that so to to, you know i think that gets a little underappreciated and then usc he obviously had some some personal issues that may have uh, contributed yeah. to his lack of success at the end there so and the, the, the you know talent on the roster from the previous sanctions didn't help so yeah exactly so i think that's a little bit harsh but you know uh saban has a way of grooming guys so i think that would be a, a decent hire for for them <clears throat> number three billy napier from uh, louisiana well this is really michael's guy um he is uh, 18 and four the last two years, um, and he's just elevated that that program at Louisiana to, to new heights. Uh, he's got ties to South Carolina. He was also a coach under uh, Nick Saban, wide receivers coach at Alabama for a while. I think just one year actually, but so he's familiar with the SEC. He recruits well, and he coached under young uh, guy coached under Dabo as well at Clemson. Uh, that's right. There you go. Yeah. So he's got the pedigree, and now he's got the head coaching experience. He's a strong candidate. 
Number two, Tony Elliott, uh, Clemson offensive coordinator. He's kind of taken over this year. With He was co-offensive coordinator, of course, the year before. Um, but with the success of Trevor Lawrence, um, and then past couple weeks with DJ Uyunglele, um, his, his style would be certainly something that Gamecock fans would be excited about, and he's kind of tasted that success. So um, Tony Elliott would kind of make sense uh, right there, right there in South Carolina. And then number one, I think this is kind of the guy everybody agrees with is kind of their maybe the, the most top choice. Hugh Freeze. He's getting a lot of a lot of play right now. He's killing it at Liberty. Uh, they're undefeated. Signed an extension last week with Liberty f- for like six more years, but doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, that doesn't matter there. So South Carolina wants him, and the SEC commissioner Greg Sankey allows it because remember when Saban kind of wanted him, Sankey didn't really. It seemed like Sankey didn't allow it. Um, I think maybe though at this point in time, I think it'd be all right. Uh, but I think now South Carolina, if they wanted him, they could get him, and that would be a great hire. I think for he had success at Ole Miss. You know, he, Hugh Freeze is good. Yeah, no, I think he's I. He's not untouchable, like we said a couple weeks ago. Right. If you ignore the hypocrisy or whatever you want to call it, the yeah. the trouble he got into coaching wise, you'd think he would do a great job. Also, I think I may yep. have just played a weird bruce drop there so sorry about that if that played on the oh, on the audio but didn't even anyway um okay so what yeah, was that thing i missed what was that list ryan like w- what was that list <laughs> you're like, looking at me like sir meaning like was that the top five most likely hires was that your favorite like how did you order that oh yeah i thought it would be most likely that they'd hire okay all right i'm just wondering oh, was I, I thought that was the just obvious well, I thought Since maybe Ron- it could have been your could have been your favorite. I don't know. Okay, so who's, uh, who's no. who well, do you think the best hire then would be? It sounds like you think Hugh Freeze. I do, I do. What about you, Trey? Do you have any thoughts? No, I was just saying. I actually kind of was surprised that Brent Venables wasn't in the list. Uh, Clemson defensive coordinator. I'm not like I, I wouldn't wait for honestly, a better job if he's a better job. I, I've like seen like Clemson said, fans. Pecking order. Venables could get almost any job he wants. Man, I've seen I, Clemson I fans just talk about just laugh at the the idea that he could go to South Carolina. And honestly, they have a better idea of the the politics over there. I know he's been at Clemson forever and South Carolina is a rival. So I don't know. I, I'll, I'll defer to them if they say it's ridiculous that that would happen. But I don't know. I just think he's been offered better jobs in his tenure at, at Clemson than yeah, South Carolina. An SEC head coaching job, that doesn't yeah. seem like there'd be that many more better. But I agree, I agree yeah. with Michael with talking about maybe the rivalry in in state and whatnot, but but yeah, no, I think those are solid names. Um, I don't know if Tony Elliott would like move me, yeah, as much as too. like Hugh Freeze or even Billy Napier. There's just I feel like there's more upside with those guys. To me, those two, as far as like who I think would be the best hire, those two are kind of the clear choices. And I mean, just Billy Napier, like the way he recruits as well. Obviously, you could say the same about Hugh Freeze, but. Um, if you don't like the unsavory nature of uh, of Freeze, then Napier, I I just think the way he's recruited at at Louisiana, having record classes there, he's very savory, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Yummy. Uh, okay. <laughs> wow. Let's move move on here. Uh, get to our Week Twelve picks. So I'm not going to go through the list of of postponed or canceled games, but there there are a lot of them, unfortunately, and same as last week so hopefully that can get under control but we're trying to i guess everyone's trying to do the best they can right now um yeah maction ryan where this podcast is coming out wednesday morning what's the what's the game wednesday night 
folks should be watching. Clear clear game of the week here in the MAC is uh, Western Michigan at Central Michigan. Definitely the game of the week there. Both teams are two and zero. The game is like a pick 'em. Uh, it's it's a should be a very very close game. And whoever wins this game will obviously have a huge advantage uh, in win winning the the MAC West uh, side as they'll they're the only two two and zero teams in the in the, that side of, of the division. So. Um, as far as who I'm going to take, I'm going to take the, the the team that I think has the better defense. I'll take Central Michigan. Um, they also have a good-looking freshman quarterback uh, from Florida, uh, Daniel Richardson. Um, he hasn't been amazing, but for a freshman, um, I've been pretty impressed with him. Pair him up with Kobe Lewis, their 1,000-yard rusher from last year. Uh, they got a pretty solid backfield, and they get him at home. So it's definitely the game of the week, but give me Central there, the battle of the directional <laughs> Michigans. There you go. Oh, poor Eastern Michigan. Uh, one of the directional yes. Michigan. Sorry, how, Eastern's kind of struggling a little bit. How about uh, we got a bunch of of games with uh, kind of the top programs in the country, and they are huge favorites. So you got Clemson at FSU, Florida at Vanderbilt, Texas at Kansas, Kentucky at Alabama, and Mississippi State at Georgia. So of those games I just listed, you got to bet on who's going to win by the biggest margin. Who are you taking? It seems weird to say, but Clemson against Florida State. Um, and and I think with Lawrence, he's going to be back in the fold this week. They have the loss, so Dabo's going for style points. And we've seen this year alone, like Dabo's not afraid to try and run up the score. What He doesn't really take – I don't think he'll uh, take the foot off the gas, especially when you can kind of pound Florida State. So Clemson, I think, might be the one. Yeah, and Florida State's kind of given up on the season, like Marvin Wilson – uh, opted out Tamari and Terry, I think the same. So yeah. a lot of those people that are kind of having rough years, they just, they're opting out. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I don't blame them. You know, if they're a top pick, I, heck, I'd probably do the same. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll disagree though. I'm going to go with Florida at Vanderbilt. I just think Vanderbilt's defense is going to be lucky if they force like two punts in this game. <laughs> I think that would be a victory. Um, already talked about how well Trask is playing and Vanderbilt's offense is 122nd in SP plus. So I don't see them, you know, keeping up very Might much. I see a lot of, uh, Emory Jones in the second half there. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I agree with Michael. I just, Trask will throw five touchdowns in the first half. <laughs> that's what he did and against Arkansas last week, didn't he? Something I like know. That. I think maybe more. Yeah. Like they're not going to get stopped. He, he, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if, uh, I hope they rest pits again. I hope the, you know, they don't just play and they don't obviously don't need him in this game. So I, I think that's probably what they'll do, but who, they don't, who cares? Florida will still score every time they touch the ball. And like Michael said, Vandy's offense is so bad that, you know, even Florida who doesn't have the best defense that they've had, it's plenty good enough to shut down Vandy. So, it's going to be like 42 to three at halftime and <laughs> Emory Jones will come in and still score another three touchdowns in the second half. Uh, one th- Mississippi state at Georgia is interesting. Not, not in terms of being the biggest blowout, but just because JT Daniels potentially could get the yeah. start. They're not, they're not saying who's going to be the quarterback, but fans are anticipating that, that Daniels might be ready. So that'll be fun to fun to see that. I mean, yeah, that would be yeah. fun. Okay. Uh, App state at coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina's favored five and a half. The winner, of course, has a, a very good chance of meeting up with Louisiana in the Sun Belt Championship. This line would probably be a bit lower, but Zach Thomas uh, is questionable after taking a big hit last week for, for Appalachian State. And the backup, Jacob Huseman, is a senior, but really hasn't played much in his career. So that's kind of an unknown. By the way, Huseman, H-U-E-S-M-A-N. You got to pronounce that Heisman. I mean, 
Ooh, if, if yeah. you're him, just just change the pronunciation. But a college football quarterback, you got to do it. I know. Yeah, that's probably yeah. why he's the backup. Joe so. Joe Thiesman changed his to Thiesman. Exactly. So. Um. Anyway, I'm gonna go with Coastal Carolina here. Uh, both teams have had really easy schedules so far, but Coastal passed their one big test at Louisiana. App State lost lost theirs at Marshall, and I just think Coastal's been a little bit more dominant. Um, I know the the common opponents thing can be a little bit misleading but it's it's hard to ignore this one app state struggled to beat georgia state last weekend a team that coastal beat 51 nothing so when i saw that i was like eh, there you go give me coastal yeah. michael you took the words right wow. you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna make it my lock also Ooh. oh go shots wow mm-hmm. all right yeah uh I, I had the exact same notes there, Michael. It just <laughs> the Georgia State difference. I mean, we're not big into the transitive property here on the bros, but that one, oh boy, that was a little bit of a too big of an outlier not to pay attention to. They've just they've dominated every game really, except for Louisiana. Mm-hmm. They've won every game by at least double digits, as we like to say. <laughs> Triple digits, um, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the the only close game was at, at Louisiana. So, uh, but everyone in that, they've they've controlled it handily. So, they are Appalachian State's been struggled a little bit offensively. They're not quite don't have that pop. So, yeah, Coastal, man. I, I like them too. So, I mean, Huseman came in last week and he led the Mountaineers to a comeback against said Georgia State. Obviously not that overly impressive, but he he did. So, he's got to be at least somewhat capable. So, I'm actually going to take App State with the points here. I, you know, I'm rooting for Coastal. We've adopted them uh, on the podcast, but I feel like since App State lost to Marshall, they're almost they're almost kind of going through the motions. Like they're when you're App State, they're they're almost playing to go undefeated and try and get that New Year's Six. So I feel maybe they they know they're still one of the top dogs in the conference. Um, I, I mean, it is tough to back a team with probably their backup quarterback, but. I'm gonna take the points and hope Coastal wins by a field goal. And and we don't know uh, Zach Thomas, you know. Yeah, he's he questionable. He, he could play. Um, but if the if the shots win, it's going to set up a huge game down in a couple of weeks against Liberty. Yeah. Ah, yeah. A non-conference matchup. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's, I mean, if we've told the story, I think, on the podcast before, but if, if you didn't hear it, it's just insane. We, in this summer, with our, our patrons, we decided, all right, we're going to adopt one G5 team just to kind of be everyone's second favorite team. And we had a vote on it. There was I, I kind of I think Charlotte was in the running, a couple other teams, and we voted for Coastal Carolina, which they were picked last in their division. Yeah. And they were picked last in the Sun Belt. They were picked last, but and, well, it was close though. But but still, yeah. And they're like in, incredible they're a top twenty team. <laughs> we could not have made a better choice. <laughs> it's uh, it's unbelievable. Good time. To it pick was them. the fourth bros bump. Yeah, exactly. Cincinnati is minus six at UCF. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I'm I'm all over Cincy here. Um, you know, we, I think we've we've seen Dylan Gabriel have a little bit of some struggles sometimes when he's played a pretty like a decent defense. We saw him struggle a lot in the second half against Tulsa, who, you know, as Michael mentioned, is four and zero. You know, they so they lost to Tulsa there. Couldn't really do anything in the second half offensively. Cincy's going to be by far the best defense UC have has played this year. Um, pretty much can say the same thing about everybody that plays Cincy. Um, since he's played seven games and only once have they given up 20 or more points and it was exactly 20. And it was the first game of the year when they played Austin P 
when Austin P scored 14 meaningless points in the fourth quarter when they were down by 40. So, I mean, they just, they haven't even given up 20 points, really. Like, they have just been, that's incredible this day and age. They have just been shutting down, they've shut down SMU, they've shut down Memphis, shut down Houston, like, good offenses. They are just toying with them. I think the same thing's going to happen here. I, I just don't see how their USUCF is going to sustain drives. And, you know, I, the, the worry was since he going into the year, we knew the defense was going to be good. Maybe not this good, but we knew the defense was good was the offense. How's Desmond Ritter going to perform? Last four games, 42 points, 49, 38, 55. Like, and that, that was SMU, Houston, and Memphis, teams that are supposed to be neck and neck with them going into the year, just killing them. So uh, I'm taking Cincy here. I'm really confident in it. This is this is my lock of the year. This is my mega lock. This is Holy, my wow. mega lock of the year. Oh, wow! <laughs> yeah. Whoa! Wow! Again, <laughs> my so God! The lock of the the lock of the year. And, lock of the and year. I feel wow. like an idiot because I'm taking UCF. <laughs> oh, um, oh! I mean, man. Desmond Ritter has he has elevated his game the past three or four four weeks. But that being said, both on the ground and through the air, but they've played a stretch of teams that have really poor defenses. Um, not that UCF has this great defense, but I think UCF could muster up a, a couple stops. It's a little and better. It's better than the teams they've been playing. Yeah, it's better than the teams that they've played. Uh, and and UCF, they've rattled off some pretty dominant, convincing wins since their heartbreaking loss to Memphis. Uh, they The offense is just putting up ridiculous numbers. The, Dylan Gabriel and, and Josh Heupel's offense is just going off. I mean, he's not – Gabriel's not going to have the success he's – been used to having in the recent weeks but i still think he can put up some yards put up some points this is ucf super bowl they get him at home this is their chance to knock off cincy i think they cover as a home dog i'm with trey i'm going against the wow. mega super lock of the year <laughs> oh, man you guys are gonna look like fools. all right i mean maybe good but i think even going up against a great defense you talk about uh cincinnati's uh defense what only giving up more than 20 once or whatever you said well, you could, on the other side, say UCF has only scored, I think, fewer than 38 points once. So, um, obviously, it's, you know, they might score fewer than 38 here. I mean, something's, since that defense is... I'll bet you they do. Well, I, I don't think, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bet on <laughs> them over 38 points, but... Just kidding. The point is that, uh, you know, yes, this is the best defense that UCF's faced, but this is probably the best offense that Cincy has faced, I would think, especially with the kind of health issues that smu and memphis have been having but um yeah i just like six points with with a, a great offense but i'm not i'm not making it my super double mega lock of the year i like but. i like it though ryan that's <laughs> awesome I, yeah. I like that too i've i wish i ever felt that confident about any game next time i do though i'm gonna make it a super make we should have one kinda, lock of the year now i'm now i'm kind of like cheering for cincinnati for you there. i know screw it yeah, all right i'm taking cincinnati <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it'll make me look bad if they don't yeah. <laughs> wisconsin minus seven and a half at northwestern we all had uh i think we all had wisconsin against michigan last week um and i'm gonna take them as a road favorite again they've played like a legit top five team in their first two games they've shown in game one they can beat teams through the air with graham mertz and then game two on the ground they had 341 rushing yards against michigan um, and Northwestern has a great defense, so they have the defense to be able to stay in the game for most of it, but their offense is 110th in yards per play. Even with Peyton Ramsey, it, it hasn't been, um, hasn't been great, uh, better than last year, but not great. So I'm not sure they can keep up for four quarters. 
I I totally understand the argument. I really do. And my brain says kind of the same thing. But when you just look at Northwestern's history and Pat Fitzgerald's history, the last six years, Wisconsin's obviously been very, very good the last six years. Pat Fitzgerald's three and three against them. It's neck and neck. Pat Fitzgerald just knows how to, I don't know, knows how to go up against these Badgers. Um, it's just a patented Pat Fitzgerald team, I think, this year. They got a really good defense. Offense is not sexy at all, but somehow has a quarterback good enough, kind of like the Clayton Thorson type of players, Peyton Ramsey, just like good enough to move the ball when they need it. It's got a little bit of legs on them that can kind of move the ball uh, when they need to. So they just they just don't beat themselves. So it's going to be ugly. I think they'll Northwestern will do a good job of making sure that's the case. And I'm just going to go with history there. I think these teams always play relatively close games and they're about even. So I'll take those seven and a half points and uh, in a kind of a low scoring ish ugly game. Well, speaking of the close games, I saw a stat this weekend that Northwestern is now tied with Navy. So basically since 2006, they have the most one score wins tying. Mm -hmm. There's 48 of them with Navy. And then the next one was Auburn at 46. So that's pretty crazy. So it's something to watch if if it is a close game. Um, it does, but I don't think I don't think it will be a close game. I think the Badgers are just superior. Uh, both have elite defenses, but I think you got to give the edge to Wisconsin, especially going up against the the Northwestern offense. Uh, and I don't, Northwestern they could have easily lost to Nebraska. They beat Iowa by a point, so I think they're they're four zero and they deserve it. Pat Fitzgerald deserves credit, but. There's a yeah, but I guess is what I'm trying to say, and, and that's the, always the case with North. I agree. Like, no, you're right. They, they <laughs> whenever they're them, pretty but, good, it's but, always a yeah, but. But Wisconsin <laughs> just dominated Michigan in the yeah, big I house, hear. and I, I think you. I, you know what. And the Badgers, I think they get it done. I'm making them my lock of the week. Ooh, okay. All right. Next game we have here is Indiana at Ohio State. Two just perennial top ten teams battling it out. <laughs> Buckeyes are favored twenty and a half. Your thoughts, Trey? Hmm. So I saw an interesting nugget on the the spread of this game. Um, right now it's what twenty and a half. So if that holds, it'll be the fourth biggest spread for top ten teams playing each other since nineteen seventy eight. Wow! Um, and the biggest upset of two top ten teams playing is seventeen and a half. It actually happened twice. But the point is though that the the odds makers don't really see Indiana as a as a top ten team. Um, Ohio State is ridiculously good, but you know you don't need me to tell you that. Uh, I'm going to take the points though with Indiana. Uh, they were we know that how fortunate they were to beat Penn State, but since then they've really handled their business. Um, Michael Penix has picked it up a bit through the air. Stevie Scott can get some success on the ground against the Buckeyes. Uh, the Buckeyes secondary they're going to have to deal with Wap Fillier, Ty Freifogel. Uh, they got some weapons, so obviously I think the Buckeyes are going to win. But I think this game will just tell us how dominant they really are. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they made a big statement, but I'm just going to take the points until I see it. Okay. Uh, I'll go the other way. Um, it sounds kind of crazy to say because Indiana's 4-0, but I think their offense is actually missing Kalen DeBoer. Last year, they were he, he was, of course, their offense coordinator last year. So last year, they were fourth in the Big Ten in success rate. And with so much coming back, Michael Penix healthy, I thought this had the potential to be a great offense. And so far this year, they're 11th in the Big Ten in success rate. So, you know, good enough to to win their first four games, although, like you say, lucky against Penn State. But I think against Ohio State, maybe against Wisconsin in a couple weeks, we're going to see that Indiana is, of course, not, or at least we don't think, a, a legit top 10 team. They're maybe, 
you know more top 25 ish team so I'll, I'll go with ohio state their offense is not fair no i agree with michael um you know i i haven't been shy with my i'm not high on indiana uh this past year this coming in this year at least as high as other people were the better than they have been of course but they're very lucky for no uh they, they they're not a a top 10 team um I'm, I'm glad for them it's great just to have them taste success um tom allen has done a great job with them no doubt about it um but i'm just not high on um the offense that well that much and Ohio State is too good. I don't see them being able to slow down Justin Fields. So Ohio, I don't, and I don't think Indiana will be able to keep up. So twenty twenty one three three touchdowns. I think they can do it. Okay, final big game we have here is Bedlam, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. Sooners are favored by seven. Ryan, yeah, yeah, uh, huge, huge game here. And you know, going into this game, we just there's a lot of unknowns, I guess, a little bit for for the Cowboys just as far as health wise kind of almost cost them their the last game they played at, at k-state of course tylen wallace was out uh they're they're probably their best safety harvey peel harvey peel he was out um their starting tackle was out uh and then their new they're starting um running back chuba, chuba hubbard of course has been slowed down with injury their backup ld browns there's just a lot of big time pieces that are not 100 percent. and even if they do play probably you know like i just said they're probably not going to be firing maybe on all cylinders um so when i look at ou though that seems to be the opposite it seems like they are starting to really fire on all cylinders that offense is turning the corner um kind of come grew, grew up growing up here with the kind of the youth they've had they've got guys back of course from suspension that they had early in the year had some injuries early on as well so ou seems to be dominating especially the last few weeks they've looked really really good um and i just don't think okie state has enough to, to kind of keep up. I know the defense has been good for sure, but OU is a different animal. So I'll take OU minus seven. Yeah. I never thought I'd be saying it with Oklahoma state, but their offense is kind of holding back their defense. Um, you know, yeah. I'm sure Oklahoma state fans are just sitting there saying like, sure. The one year we have this really strong yeah. enough defense to win the conference. Our offense is kind of sp- stuttering a little bit, but um, like they're not, the offense isn't horrendous, but it's just been a little harder for them this year to generate consistent, consistent offense, both on the ground and through the air. I mean, Spencer Sanders, he's only got five passing touchdowns, three picks. Uh, so they're not, they're not lighting it up. Um, and the Sooners, I think they're going to make a statement here. Um, remind everyone they're still the big boy on the block. Uh, and they could, if they make a big enough statement, they could be a threat to maybe sneak back in the, the playoff race if, if, if the chips fell their way. Um, but either way, they've been dominant the last few games. Uh, even the defense has shown some strides. Uh, Okie State's obviously a stiffer, stiffer test, but I think they'll uh, they'll pass it with flying colors. So I'm going to take OU as well. Yeah, I mean, I just completely echo your guys' sentiments and talking about OU. They were always going to get better as the season went on with, of course, the suspensions they had. And like you said, the young skill talent and now Jadon Hazelwood, another receiver, is is back from from injury. They've been a lot better with uh, running the ball with Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson back at running back. Of course, Ronnie Perkins back on defense. I uh, I just don't want to step in front of Oklahoma right now. So we all agree there. Uh, let's uh, get to the rest of the, the games we'd like to mention, the honorable mentions. All right. Friday night, we got Purdue, their favorite three at Minnesota. The Big Ten is just so wacky this year. It makes it even more difficult to predict. I've been high on Purdue all year, still fond of them, but I'm going to give the Gophers one last shot here. The, the defense has been horrendous, but and that, and but the biggest flaw has been their run D. 
Purdue's run game hasn't been a strength this year, only averaging 63 yards on the ground. So if you're a Gopher, Gopher fan, you hope that trend continues. Maybe Tanner Morgan can show some of his old self. So this is kind of the season for Minnesota. So I'm going to back the desperate team. Next, I got UCLA at Oregon. Oregon's given 13 and a half. I'm going to lay the points with the Ducks. I know DTR and the Bruins could have some success since they do have a a pretty good offense, and we've talked about it earlier. Michael brought up how the Ducks still aren't quite at full strength on defense or at least showing what they they could have been. Even Justin Flo, their star linebacker, out for the year. So the Ducks could be susceptible to some Bruins points, but I don't think UCLA is going to slow down the Ducks all that much. They've been balanced this year, averaging 270 yards passing and rushing on the ground. this for overall for the offense i'm going to take oregon i was given two and a half at penn state tough for me since i've really been impressed with the hawkeyes their defense is no joke they've destroyed teams the past couple weeks penn state they're, they're so talented but they're they're owing four do they have the pride to rise up after seeing them bench clifford last week i'm not sure where the psyche is of this team i'm not going to overthink it i'm going to take the hawkeyes Goodson's been strong on the ground for Iowa, and I think they're the better team than and better than their two and two record shows. And then finally, Liberty is at NC State. NC State's given three and a half. We talk a lot about BYU, and deservedly so, but Liberty at the end of the day could end up piecing together a pretty pretty strong or comparable resume uh, if they were to knock off NC State this week after already beating uh, winning at Virginia Tech. NC State, big challenge. Uh, Liberty brimming with confidence. Malik Willis. Hugh Freeze has turned the Auburn transfer into a star. He's leading the team in rushing and passing. Uh, Bailey Hockman for NC State's been kind of hit or miss. Eight touchdowns, six interceptions. I'm going to take Liberty plus the three and a half. All right. Uh, I got Kansas State at Iowa State. Iowa State right now is the most likely candidate to play the winner of, of Bedlam in the conference championship. Of course, that's far from a guarantee so they, they still gotta take care of business for sure i think iowa state is going to try and dare will howard the freshman quarterback for kansas state to try to beat them with his arm um and i don't think he's he's capable of that so give me iowa state arizona at washington washington's favored 11 and a half i was impressed with grant Gannell last week uh against usc he's arizona's sophomore quarterback and washington i just think might not blow a lot of teams out this year with their style of play the offense last week ran 51 times and only attempted 24 passes with their new quarterback dylan morris and jimmy lake even at a press conference this week wore a hat that said run the damn ball so with that i'm, I'm gonna take 11 and a half points against a team that that might not be throwing the ball all over the place uh, and then we got a big weekend in the mountain west so a lot of the top teams playing each other San Diego State's minus one and a half at Nevada. Nevada's 4-0 in conference, SDSU 3-1. I'm going to take Nevada to stay undefeated. I know SDSU's got a, a really good defense, but Carson Strong has been playing really well at quarterback for Nevada. He's a, a sophomore, 71% completions, 12 touchdowns, one interception. Uh, and then the other game we've got is San Jose State minus two and a half at Fresno State. San Jose State's 4-0 in conference, which is crazy. And Fresno State's three yeah. and one. Interesting quarterback matchup here is, is what you want to watch. So Nick Starkle, the Arkansas transfer at San Jose State, has been really good so far. And Texas A&M transfer. Yeah, exactly. And Texas A&M. <laughs> and then on the other side, uh, Jake Hayner, the transfer from Washington, has been really good at Fresno State. So I'll I'll go with the Bulldogs as a slight underdog. And, of course, my boy, Kalen DeBoer, at home. 
And then there is one more game. Boise State minus 14 and a half at Hawaii. Hawaii kind of trying to play spoiler. Uh, but I'm going to take Boise. They've they've dominated when either Hank Bachmeyer or Jack Sears have has been healthy. And Hawaii's offense kind of hit or miss so far this year under uh, Todd Graham. Yep. Yep. I agree with that one. All right. My first game, USC's favorite three at Utah. It's a pretty tough game to, to predict uh, since Utah is the first game they've played. Are they, are they the last team? Who else hasn't played? I think they're the last team. Are they, are they the last and team? They've, we'll see if, yeah. it, if it happens. Hopefully it's it's trending yeah. positively, uh, but hopefully we don't know. they get to go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but and, and you go to USC side, they're a very lucky 2-0, beating both Arizona schools at the last moments of the game. Um, so we, we don't know really a whole lot what's going to happen here. Um, Utah just lost so much from last year, too, that it's it's definitely hard to know. New quarterback, entirely new defense. So I'm going to take the Trojans minus the three. Um, I think Utah might be getting a little prop up just based off of what they've been kind of been the past couple years, which I just don't think that they're those same those same kids this year. So I'm a little uncomfortable taking them. I'll take the Trojans, even though they certainly don't make you feel yeah, confident. But yeah uh all right next game tennessee at auburn auburn's favorite 11 i think this is kind of a, a big game here auburn's sitting at four and two but has alabama and texas a&m uh uh after this game so they could be kind of in danger of losing three in a row should they lose this game and that would drop them to four and five all of a sudden you gotta uh, not looking good for gus malzahn so the big one here for him and now tennessee you look to them they've lost four in a row already um but they get vanderbilt after this week so they could beat Auburn, then get Vandy, win a couple games in a row, get back to some good mojo back in Knoxville. So, but I'm actually going to give the points. I'm taking Auburn here. Um, Tennessee is struggling too much on offense for me to, to really take them. They haven't reached 20 points three straight weeks, is uh, so they, they just are not looking too good. So, give me Auburn here. Uh, third game, I got Virginia Tech, favorite three and a half um, at Pitt. Uh, hard to know what you're going to get from these teams. I mean, uh, they do have a tendency to place close games. Um, Pitt had a kind of a little bit of a midseason slump, but bounced back and kind of whooped up on Florida State uh, a little while ago. So I'm going to take I'm going to take them. Uh, Virginia Tech's lost three out of four. Offense is not quite clicking, maybe as it was when Hendon Hooker kind of first took over um, at the beginning of the year. So I'll take Pitt plus three and a half at home. You can see that being a, a nail biter. Finally, LSU's favorite two and a half at Arkansas. Miles Brennan, unfortunately, appears to be out for the year. Um, barring on for some surprise. Um, so it kind of looks like TJ Finley might be the guy this week, although Max Johnson also got a little bit of play. Um, so I'm sure we'll see both of them before the year is over. Um, you know, they LSU's alternated wins all year. They've lost, they've won, they've lost, they've won. They're coming off of a loss, so I think they're actually going to lose again, though. I'm <laughs> saying that streak ends. Uh, Arkansas is, is going to going to win this one felipe franks he, he has been really good yeah. this year man he has been really good he was he was awesome at florida that's why i guessed him earlier in that yeah. trivia question he was like 15 to 19 he was averaged over 13 yards uh, per pass attempt he was awesome so uh, i just don't think lsu has that type of offense florida does to give arkansas trouble so give me plus two and a half with the razorbacks all righty let's uh close out the episode as always with a questionable finish Texas has still not lived down their loss to Kansas in 2016. Uh, the Kansas beat Texas meme still lives on. What is an example in any sport of a team not being able to live down a loss? I, I'm going to stick in college football and comp, very popular one. I'm going to take 
Michigan losing to Appalachian State. Ah, uh, gotta yeah, yep. gotta see the highlights of that There's, one every single year. Yeah, you're not gonna live it down because it's just such a popular clip to keep showing. So okay, yep. uh, I am a, a big fan of LeBron James. Of course, I have his jersey hanging up in my living room. So I have to say, Golden State blew a three-one lead. That's just Ooh, that's, that's great. I love it. And every time you hear a 3-1 lead in any series, in any sport, you just think, ah, Golden State blew a 3-1 lead. Yeah, I know exactly. you do. <laughs> I would, wow, okay, yeah, I agree. Um, I was down the Falcons 28-3 yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. That 28-3 always comes up. That was, that's not not so good. Uh, don't forget, yeah. don't forget, Michigan State also blew a 28-3 lead to Illinois last year. So sh- shout out to our Sparty oh, yeah. listeners. <laughs> Yeah. The good Golf, golfers. There's two listeners in particular I'm talking about. Well, one listener who I don't like. So that was directed at him. <laughs> the other Sparty fans, you're cool. Yeah. 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 Golfers, uh, Vandeveld, British Ooh. Open. Oh. oh, tough. Tough. Oh, I tough. hate that. That's so rough because it's a guy that never had any other moments. I know. Oh, it's just <laughs> brutal. <laughs> like, I never even heard of him in anything else but that one. Do you think if yeah. he could go back in time, he'd be like, maybe I should have just got into accounting or something, you know? <laughs> that, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a tough one. Uh, next Tuesday night, the CFP committee will release their first rankings. Whose fans do you expect to be most upset with where they're ranked? I think we're all probably going to be in agreement here, but if Texas A&M is behind Florida, not saying it'll happen, but head-to-head's important. Uh, Maybe at the end of the season they could use that tiebreaker, but remember, the game was at A&M. It was a field goal, the last play of the game. I think Florida's better. They're better in the ratings. The metrics have beaten every other team in dominant fashion, including Georgia. So... Um, at this point, they might be upset with that if the if the Aggies were behind Florida. Okay, uh, I'm going to predict a non-power five program to be upset because that seems to be a theme every year. The G5 teams getting lower than at least their fans or a lot of people think they should be. So, of course, BYU not G5, but non-power five. So BYU or Cincinnati, just because they've got pretty weak schedules. They have been dominating for the most part, so maybe the committee will give them a big jump for that, but. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't think that'll be that bad, just because they have been dominating. Um, okay. Like I said, they aren't squeaking out. Um, one team that I think could be is Indiana. Uh, I think they could be looking at it like, "Hey, we're undefeated. You know, we've beaten Penn State." Well, they're going to play Ohio and, State this weekend, but, so but they have to play Ohio State, so they're going to lose. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> they might not lose. I you never I know. For, guess I no. forgot after the week. I was thinking about it as of, as right, of right now. now. All right, yes. excuse me. But still, but still. Sure. Uh, I'm still going with it. Why not? Because the, 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 well, this is ruining my argument. That's fine, Ryan. Whatever. No, but the, the, the four teams they've beaten are combined three and 13. Like, they just have not beaten anybody that has won more than one game. So they just and they not still won't any. have. Yeah, I know they but, still won't have. Exactly. There you go. All right. But they'll be yeah. four and one. But like, hey, the only team we've lost to is Ohio State. Yeah. So Trey, you're going to really look really right, dumb but, when Indiana wins this weekend. Uh, hey, good for them. <laughs> upset special. Got to pick a seven-plus point underdog to win outright. Last week, I took Arizona. They they blew it against USC. I'm going to roll the dice again with, with Arizona. I'll say they win as an 11.5-point dog at Washington. They, they probably have the edge at quarterback. Uh, could be a huge edge. It's still a lot to be seen there, but I'm high on Grant Gannell, and they, Washington didn't seem to want to test Dylan Morris at all. 
I lost the draft to Ryan, so I'm going to take Kansas State getting 11 at the Cyclones. They've been shaky, the Cyclones have, um, just not dominant. Baylor just gave them a, a game, nearly beat nearly beat them. Uh, K-State nearly beat Oklahoma State, as we mentioned earlier. They're a feisty bunch. Uh, they kind of strike when you least uh, anticipate with Kleiman's crew, so I'll take K-State. Alrighty, fair enough. Um, I am going to go, oh man, I hate to do it, but uh, Trey and I were in the same thought process here, but I'm taking Illinois uh, at Nebraska. They're getting 15, which seems like a lot of points for Nebraska, who really can't pass the ball. Um, and I just, just Nebraska doesn't have a dominant defense either. This does look like Brandon Peters will probably come back this week, which I actually am encouraged by. If you're a Nebraska fan, I'd rather have him than Juice 2.0, Isaiah Williams running all over the place, but... Uh, I would still think we'll see Juice Pointo at some point for sure as well. But, yeah, I just think Illinois, these teams played a really, really close game last year. Uh, Illinois is all right. They beat Rutgers. Uh, they almost uh, beat Purdue. So they're, there's, I don't see a 15 points separating these teams. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to the College Football Bros podcast. Ryan, you think you can just you can just check your voicemails in the middle of the questionable finish? Sorry, I was trying to remember who my uh, my – my upset special was last week. I don't know if I Oh, it. I gotcha. Forgot. Okay. <laughs> not not checking voicemails, trying to prepare for the pod here. But as Well, we you were holding it up to your <laughs> ear like you were listening to something. Do you how what was yeah, the, what the, was that about? The podcast from last Oh, you were week. listening to our podcast from last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were like checking your notes <laughs> yeah. or something. Wow. Okay. No, so no, you no. were distracted from our current podcast by listening to last week's podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, That's yeah. pretty funny. Uh, anyway, how soon we yep. forget did you wait so wait did we ever figure out who you took yeah who did you take? no i'm getting to the end right now okay we're gonna wait on ryan to figure it out riveting uh so i said this last week and it really helped us out so i'll say it again uh go to oh that's right i took the cougs oh okay the last touchdown before halftime really i knew it was the end I was like, dang it, that's my game. All right. They had a chance without that. They did. Um, okay, so what I was saying is go to YouTube Sorry. and give our video a thumbs up. We noticed that in our stats that uh, a lot of people found the podcast through the YouTube al- algorithm because we had a lot of likes last last week's episode. So, yeah, if, you, if you're able to, you got some time right now, you're on your computer, give us a thumbs up, help out the show, uh, and we will talk to you next week. Also, happy birthday to Sarah. Sarah's birthday is on Saturday. Oh, wow. So wish Sarah happy birthday at... Happy birthday, Sarah. At CFB underscore Sarah, I believe. Goodbye. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home live cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. 
And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com slash thisishome today.